Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Welcome to the Running the World podcast on Anyone's Game. It's been a while, but we're back for a double header all about Italy. To kick things off on part one, we will hear from Scotland's very own World Cup winner, albeit in an Italy top. Rose Riley went from Ayrshire to Milan to chase her dream of playing football professionally. She would go on to win eight ZDR titles and four Coppa Italia trophies. When the SFA decided that they don't want her for Scotland anymore, she played for Italy instead and captained them to World Cup glory in 1984. Rose spoke with us about her truly remarkable career. I'd like to start at the very beginning of your career. It's the 1960s, 70s, and women's football is not really a thing in Scotland. Um, I, I actually read that you played for your local boys club for a while. Can you can you just give me a bit of an idea what it was like back then to be a female football player in Scotland and how you kept finding a way to play? Well, basically, I nearly get um, burnt at the stake in the days because um, women uh, didn't play football or we girls didn't play football, um, to be precise. Uh, I was about six years age when I started playing with the local boys team. The, the manager approached me and asked if I would play with the, the, the boys team. He said um, that I would need to get a change with the football strip in my own house because I couldn't get in the dressing rooms and cut my hair short back in size at the barbers and change my name from Rose to Ross. But I very readily agreed with, much to my mother's shock, she didn't agree with um, so that was good. Uh, there was one particular day I scored eight goals and there was a Celtic scout there um, looking for young, um, it, it, it was called the S form in the days to sign on young boys to um, to join the, the Celtic Academy. And uh, after the game he asked, to, he wanted to sign me and um, the manager said, no, it's a wee girl. And he said, no, the wee number seven, the one that scored the eight goals, he says, it's still a wee girl. So. Um, I got to speak to the Celtic scout and I thought I was I was devastated I couldn't play for Celtic. I thought if I was good enough, why not? Of course, at that age, I didn't understand anything about um, um, that I couldn't play for Celtic because I was a female. Uh, after that, there was a, a ladies team started in Stewarton, um, headed by uh, Mrs. Elsie Cook and her mum, uh, Mrs. Bennett, and her sister, Nancy Fleming. They lived uh, worked for the local factories and they had a netball team. And for charity, they started a football team uh, with uh, various women uh, of a certain age. And it, let's say the youngest was 20 and the oldest would be in their 50s. And um, so I asked uh, if I could play with them. And Elsie had said I was too wee. No, she said, we boys can't play. I said, look, I'm a wee girl. Uh, so I already had gender issues because I was a, I was a, wee, uh, I was a wee boy, a wee girl turning into a wee boy for the... the the boys' team, and then the women's team wouldn't let me play because I thought it was a wee boy, but anything. Everything was resolved, and I started playing with the women. Uh, the women, it was quite difficult because it wasn't recognised by the SFA at the time. Um, we couldn't play in official pitches. We couldn't have any referees. Um, we had no changing uh, rooms, changing facilities. So everything was uphill, but um, it didn't hinder us in, in any way. 
I played my first international for Scotland. Well, it wasn't actually my first. Um, I played against England at Ravenscraig Stadium in Greenock because it, the stadium in Greenock wasn't recognised as a SFA stadium. And it was the first time I'd uh, played in a, uh, a real um, stadium with a, with a stand and, 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 and a crowd there to watch, and it was against England. So I remember scoring my first goal for Scotland and um, just hoping that the referee would blow the whistle so it would be Scotland won, England nothing, and that would be it. But it didn't work out that way. And we got beat 3-2 by more organised opponents, let's say, because England were already on their way to being recognised where we weren't. After after that, um, tried to I wanted to turn uh, professional. So I got in touch with a, a journalist from the De La Rica, Stan Shivers, and um, if there was any professional teams uh, in Europe, I didn't know there was any in Great, there was none in Great Britain. So he said, yeah, there was one in Rams, and he would give us a trial. So I went along with my teammate, Edna Nealis, and the, the De La Rica flew us to France for a trial, um, and we got signed on at halftime. So that's when the, the adventure started as being, let's say, a semi-professional footballer. In, in Rams. After about six months, the AC Milan scouts seen us playing and practically bought us just like a professional footballer. And um, we arrived in Italy. I always remember when the plane arrived and landed in the, the tar market at Linati Airport, right bang in the middle of Milano. Uh, for some unknown reason, I felt at home. It was like a mother's embrace. So started playing for AC Milan. Uh, Edna went home because she was homesick. And then after that, she come back and forth to other teams. But anyway, uh, I persevered. And I remember staying in the hotel on my own uh, for the first year. And uh, I couldn't speak any Italian and my teammates couldn't speak English. So I used to speak to myself in the mirror at night so that somebody else was speaking back to me who it was myself. But this was not in a sad way. It was just a way of coping because I didn't have a telephone at home in Scotland. My mum and dad didn't have a, a landline. And uh, we, we would communicate with uh, writing letters, airmails it was at the time. And uh, that's how I started my career in, in Italy. Played for AC Milan for a couple of seasons and won the, the, my first league there. And then got sold, because you always get sold on, um, uh, which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't, um, I wasn't really caring about the financial uh, point of it, point of view of it. And the, 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 the presidents, the owners of the team got a, a good, a transfer fee for me which uh, I didn't know at the time but anyway that was fine and I went to Sicily and Catania it was fantastic there in Sicily fell in love with the island and um, there was like 20,000 that were games all the time and um, that's where I won my, my second league and also won the golden boot there then I got sold on to Lecce in the mainland and where I won another three leagues Three Scudetto, another Golden Boot, and that's when uh, the um, the Italian, the president of the Italian um, national team, asked me if I if I would play for Italy, try and get joint uh, citizenships, because it, um, I'd been banned for playing for Scotland for life um, for some unknown reason. I had no official letter or anything, but I was told that I couldn't play for Scotland again, and I just assumed it's because I'd turned professional. I don't know, never ever knew why. And uh, so I started playing for Italy. Played for Italy and we won the unofficial Women's Cup in, in Yeslo. It was 84, 83, 84. And then we went on a tour in 
to China where I was named the, the world's best female footballer. And I thought that's not bad for a real asset from Stuarton. Um, after that, um, in one of the seasons in Lecce, I played for Lecce in the in the Saturday afternoon in the Italian league. And I used to fly out to France on a Sunday morning and played for Stade de Reims in the Sunday evening. They played in the Sunday evening before the men's game. And that year I won the, the league uh, in, in Italy and, and in France. So, but then I got stopped from doing all that when uh, FIFA and UEFA intervened and um, started to recognise women's football and everything was kind of put on hold. Um, so I had a long career. I'd opened up a sports shop in, uh, in Italy, uh, but uh, I had a late marriage. I got married when I was 44. I had my daughter when she was four, uh, when I was 45, uh, born in Italy. So she can play for Scotland, Argentina, because my husband's Argentinian, or Italy. That's a great choice, but uh, she's a ballet dancer, so that's out of the question. Um, <laughs> come back home in 2000 when my daughter was eight months because my mum had a severe stroke. And I promised to look after her. I wouldn't leave her. Um, they gave her a week to live, and nine years later, I was still here. Uh, she was in a nursing home, paralysed, but um, no regrets. I could get Italy back, couldn't get my mum back. Uh, so that's how I, I just um, I just settled down in Scotland again. Some journalists had, had caught on that I was back in Scotland, you know, the usual interviews and whatever, which I wasn't really interested in at the time because I'd stopped playing and I thought it's just interesting being interviewed. If you're playing, you're talking about a game or something or some goal you've scored. But then I got inducted into the the, the, the sports uh, the Sports Hall of Fame up in Edinburgh, just near Edinburgh Castle. And I always remember getting piped in and it was one of the proudest moments of my life. And I thought, I'm back home. Then later on in 2007, I got inducted into Hamden Park, the, the Football Hall of Fame, the first female. Um, that, that was an accolade in itself because um, obviously, well, there's no comparison between the, the, the men's game and, and the, 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 the women's game. Uh, and I don't pretend there is. So to be inducted in beside these uh, super Scottish superstars, for me, was um, it was a great accolade, but it was also for all, all the women, all the pioneers that struggled during these years in Scotland, getting banned, getting just... Wherever we, we, we wherever we turned, uh, we got the door shut in our face. Uh, the perseverance of, of, of Elsie Cook, who organised the whole movement in Scotland. Um, this, this, was for, this was for them. And for my wee friend Edna, who started off the professional career with me and who sadly passed away uh, a couple of years ago. So that's for you, Edna. Well, that's, that's a really, really beautiful story. And... You know, the, the thing that I found really interesting when I did my research for this interview is that I understand that you were actually on the brink of a career in track and field athletics when you were younger. But yeah. you still chose football, despite there being no chance of going professional in Scotland and taking really the sacrifice to move away from home, from your friends, from your family. How, how difficult was that decision and what were your reasons? Well, um, I, I was in the, in the shortlist for the Commonwealth Games. I must have been uh, only 16. And I went for a week's training um, session up in, uh, in St Andrews, up in Scotland. And um, the coach then had said to me, John Anderson, he said, Rose, you'll need to stop playing football. You've got a career in, in athletics. He said, but you're, you're developing too much muscle, like thigh muscle, I call it, fit my legs. 
um, that's that's not good for athletics. So I stopped playing football for a week for the first time in my life. And of course, my mum and dad were ecstatic because of the future in athletics. And they didn't know what to do with me because there was no future in football. And so I stopped playing for football for a week. And after a week, um, it, it was unbearable for me. So I gave up an athletics career to start playing football again with an unknown future. The, the passion was so great for football. So it was everything for me. And I decided I was going to make a career out of it. Um, I didn't care who was trying to stop me. I used to get physically punished for it at school. Um, you name it, I got everything flung at me. But um, I decided to pursue the, the, the love of my life, which was football. So you finally arrived at AC Milan after you stint in France. And there you were from Stuart at the San Zero. Can you Can you even describe what that felt like? Um, well, uh, when I left Stewarton at uh, Strandhead Park, it was a kind of red ash pitch. Uh, sometimes it was full of glass, still picking some small fragments of glass outside my knee, uh, from my knees. So um, the first game at the San Siro, I always remember um, in the dressing room with, with my, my teammates. And I wandered away down the tunnel to actually um, go on the pitch at the San Siro which I was called the Majestic Stadium. For me, it's the best stadium in the world. Well, it was then, and for me, it still is. So I kind of took possession of the, of, of the pitch. I went to one goal, and I said to myself, I'm going to score here. And I took possession of the, the whole pitch in my mind and went to the other goal, I'm going to score here. And then I closed my eyes, and I thought, there's only two goal posts here, the same as there is in Stuart and at Strandhead Park. What can go wrong? That was my attitude. Um, obviously playing in a, a stadium of, of such dimension, um, you've just got wings in your feet. It's just um, it's just a dream. But a dream came true because uh, I worked very hard of it. Obviously I had a talent, I had the ability, but I really worked, worked hard. When the, the girls would be training at night, uh, my teammates would be training at night, usually because of the heat, um, I would train in the midday sun to better myself. Such was the love and the respect I had for the game. Um, that was my life, and I was going to give it its all. The other thing about, um, for example, you can uh, folk don't understand. They can just see just now maybe the accolades you get or whatever. But um, going abroad as a young girl, didn't know the language, didn't know anything, but I was without fear, um, and I just embraced the, the Italian life and learned the language. Is obviously you miss out. Uh, Everything in your family, um, like your weddings, funerals, uh, you name it. You, you, uh, it's just it's just a part of, well, it was my part of being a professional footballer. In the days, you couldn't just fly back and forth. It wasn't that easy. There, there wasn't so many flights or, or air companies as there is today. So that, that was another thing. You just, you can, you can put your life in hold. And um, I was so dedicated to the game. I was like married to football. Uh, so I wasn't interested in having a husband or bringing up a family. I thought it would be selfish to introduce them to this mad lifestyle that I had. So th that that was just wasn't even thought about. Um, so I was lucky enough. Uh, perhaps my husband was lucky enough that I, I got married when I was forty-four, and I had my child when I was forty-five. That doesn't usually work that way. I didn't read the rule books the right way, but uh, everything seemed um, to fit in. Perfect with it, the, the the fantastic uh, life I had um, playing football. 
what was the reception like in Italy? You know, there's this Scottish girl coming over and she's damn good. How did people react? Well, um, the fans, uh, uh, the, uh, the fans were always great with me, and uh, uh, the football's a, a religion in Italy. You know, they would they would uh, uh, give me presents. I couldn't, I couldn't go to a bar and buy my cappuccino or whatever. They would all pay for it or all these things. Um, my teammates, um, my teammates, we, we were all in the same boat together. We just wanted to win, and that was it. But when I get picked to play for Italy, um, the first introduction to my um, the, the Italian girls of the national team was a wee bit uh, frosty. Uh, well, some of them were my teammates anyway because I played with them, but the others weren't. Uh, they were they were opposition, and um, I knew that the, it, it's only normal here was this Scottish woman taking away a. a a team place from some from an Italian girl. So I actually spoke to them at a private meeting in a room, and I said, "Look, I was just so honoured to get picked to play for you, and uh, I'm just here to help, and I hope you can help me the way I can help you. And uh, I'm not taking anybody's place. Uh, I just want to be one of you." And then they just all kind of slapped me in the back, as in punched me in the back, as welcoming me to the Italian team, and we had a laugh then. You already touched on it earlier. You had your career well on track. You were doing brilliantly in Italy, but the SFA decided to ban you for life from playing for the Scotland national team without an apparent reason that should be mentioned. That must have felt like such a blow. No, it didn't. It didn't because um, I, I didn't have any communication in the first place. It was a friend that told me. Um, it didn't come as a blow because... I never expected anything in my life from anybody. I always just went and worked and and, um, and earned what what I, what I was achieving. And if somebody didn't want me, that wasn't my problem because I wanted to play for Scotland, but they didn't want me, so it was their problem. It wasn't mine. So if there's if if I'm not in the power of of changing anybody's mind, I, I, I just put it out my own mind and, and just got on with life. I mean, I think that that's a really good attitude to it. And at the end of the day, Scotland's loss was Italy's gain because you went and played for them and did really, really well. But I'm just, I'm just wondering, what was the process like to get you selected for the Italian team? Because I imagine there must have been issues around citizenship and all that things. Yeah, well, they started the process of the citizenship. In the meantime, I was playing for them. In the days that the, the UF and FIFA still uh, didn't recognise women's uh, football at an international level. So every nation had their own federation and, uh, um, and, and went by their rules. But play, playing international football as well, everybody um, it just agreed that the, they would have their own rules in their own country. So that's how, that's how it happened. What was it like to play at and win the World Cup in 1984? Well, that, that was the, the highlight of my career, obviously. But it, it wasn't really. There was two highlights of my career. Uh, once when I play for when I play for Scotland against England, scored the goal, uh, uh, bursting with pride as a Scottish woman, uh, winning the, the the World Cup with Italy. Uh, um, I was kind of walking in air. It was a surreal moment, but as I always said, it was a Scottish heart beating under an Italian jersey. Uh, it was for Scotland as well. So um, it's just the the it's everything you've worked at. It's everything you could dream about. Um, uh, and uh, 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 it was a dream come, came true. I had work um, 
dream uh, that came true and let's say against all the odds, against all obstacles. Um, I was quoted once as saying, um, when I've got a hurdle in front of me, I don't jump over it, I don't go around it, I don't go under it, I just smash it down and, and go forward in, in my positive thinking. Uh, there was a sports, my local sports centre uh, named after me, the Rose Riley Sports Centre. The, the, the pitch I used to play at Stranhead Pitch, the, the, the wee horrible uh, red ash pitch is now a state-of-the-art uh, sports stadium. Astroturf, um, and uh, when they named it uh, the Rose Riley Sports Centre, that was the, let's say, one of the proudest moments of my life because this is my legacy. Because about forty wee girls of eight years of age signed on right away for uh, football coaching. For me, that was a that was a pinnacle, giving back, showing the wee girls that they can do it. So you earlier mentioned that you're back living in Scotland now, but how much Italian is still in you nowadays? Oh, well, in the house, we just speak Italian. My my daughter's bilingual. I've got Italian television. My furniture's Italian. Got my wee espresso machine. <laughs> but, uh, of course, we're in Scotland. Uh, so I feel as half and half, because all my adulthood was, was in Italy, let's say nearly 30 years. So all my friends are in Italy. I left everything there. Uh, I gave all, away all my cups, medals, football strips, you name it. After every game, I used to just, uh, when we won something, I'd just give it to somebody in the, the side of the pitch, one of our fans, because um never really collected these kind of things. Um, I, I was just moving on to the next game, the next achievement. And I thought, they're never going to win a medal. It was I some wee guy in a wheelchair or something. They're, they're never going to win a World Cup medal. But they've got one. I'd won it and I knew I'd won it, so... I would just move on. And how do you feel about the chances for female players in Scotland nowadays? Do you think it has improved from when you started your career? Well, it's night and day. Um, when Shelley Kerr's team, the Scottish girls, qualified for the World Cup, it uh, was that last year, two years ago, I've lost all connection with the time of this pandemic. Um, uh, it was the only time I've ever got emotional. I actually uh, had a tear in my eye. I never let myself, allowed myself to be emotional in my playing career because that'd be showing a kind of weakness uh, and I was too determined and uh, 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 I just used to move on to the next game or whatever. But when the Scottish girls qualified for the World Cup, I, I was really, really emotional. Of course, it's night and day. The girls are recognised, rightly so. Um, they can make a living out of it, a good living. They've got their agents. I think it's the only thing I don't like is about the modern game is agents and things like that. Um, but hey, that seems to be the way forward. And I could see, um, hopefully, Scotland uh, growing in stature. You have become much of a role model, much of an idol for a lot of young girls out there who want to achieve something against the odds, be it in sport or any other area. Do you, do you feel yourself in a position of being an idol? No, absolutely not. It, it, it was just um, it was just somebody that, that had a dream in life and made it come true. Uh, for me, an idol's a doctor or, or some that's saving somebody's life. Obviously, uh, uh, scientists that are discovering uh, uh, whatever for this pandemic. The, the, these are idols. I'm just somebody that achieves something through damn hard work, dedication, and not taking no for an answer. As a final question, I mean, the baseline of what speaks from your career was how much football meant to you. Can you can you even 
put it into words what football is to you? Well, at the time um, when the SFA banned me, um, I thought that I had no negative thoughts against them. Absolutely, still don't have. I just thought, um, I am football, they're not football. They're just faceless men in suits making decisions. But I'm football. I'm the player. I'm the, I'm the one that makes things happen in the park. And that's what football meant to me and still does today, even though I don't play anymore. Well, that's beautiful, Rose. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Um, grazie mille. Yep. È stato un onore parlare con te. Oh, complimenti per il vostro italiano. Come mai parli italiano? <laughs> grazie. <laughs> But truly, it's, it's been an honor. And thank you so much for your time. Di niente. Arrivederci. Ciao. Arrivederci. Well, what a career and what a legacy. That's it for the first part of our Italy doubleheader. Coming up soon in part two, we'll turn to Scott's currently building the careers in Italy. We'll be talking to AC Milan's Christy Grimshaw and Lana Claland, who transferred this summer from Fiorentina to Sassuolo. Keep an eye out for that and stay well. Bye for now. <laughs>